Hello and welcome to Chillin' in the State House. It's pretty quiet here in Topeka after fireworks kept us up last night for yep. the Chiefs Super Bowl win. Wait, wait, wait. I thought Taylor Swift won the Super Bowl. Well, that she defeated Usher, right? <laughs> It was close, but she defeated Usher, right? Yeah, in overtime. In overtime. And, uh, yes, Taylor Taylor Swift managed to get there. and uh, In her uh, first season. In her first season. And uh, uh, let's just say Travis uh, Kelsey should not be singing. Uh, his rendition of Viva Las Vegas was... Uh, it's what in vaudeville they would call a haircut act. It's a deliberately bad act placed at the end of the program to send you out, and they called it a haircut because you can see the haircuts on the back of people's heads as they leave. Well, maybe you missed his Christmas song, so we'll, we'll have to play that. Okay, anyway. well, anyway, uh, they, they smooched on, on the, uh, the post game. They had their big post game smooch, which seemed to put a button on the Chiefs se- season there. They, they kissed after the previous win, too, so maybe maybe, it's, maybe you just didn't watch the last game. Yeah, well, I did, I did, I did see the photo of them kissing, but you know, the bit, Super Bowl is a bigger kiss, I would yeah. say. Uh, well, so I'm Jason Alatid with the Topeka Capital Journal. That's John Hanna with the Associated Press, and also here is Jack Harville with the Capital. You, Journal. you know, Jason, I am, uh, I am uh, excited because during a Verizon commercial, Beyonce announced she's going to drop a new album in a couple of months. And I guess the first two singles are out, and they kind of have a country sound. So, you know, it's going to get interesting. I'm, I'm going for a Taylor Swift concert in the Flint Hills. That's, that's what I want to see I, Kansas I, do. I, I think the uh, symphony in the Flint Hills, if they could just get the rights to play some Taylor Swift music, I, I'd be no, no, curious to see how, those, how her songs sound. Uh, and and the reason I was asked why I came up with that is there's really no venue in Kansas that would be big enough to hold a, a Taylor Swift concert except the Flint Hills. <laughs> So there you go. Speaking of, if we if we want to bring this back to the legislature, uh, if Taylor Swift or Beyonce or shoot Patrick Mahomes were living in Kansas, under the Republican tax plan, their top marginal income tax rate would be cut, and we would go to a a simplified. The the Republicans don't want to call it a flat tax anymore, but it's a flat tax basically. Well, you know, they're, they're come back to mentioning uh, some of the richest and wealthiest people might be to say that under the current tax structure, you are considered rich at 30000 a year as yes. for an individual or sixty k. That's the top bracket. That's when it, it, it cut kicks in, and there's some question about that. And, of course, they're defending their, their plan by noting – by arguing that it takes 310,000 of the poorest Kansans off – the income tax rolls it exempts it gives them a uh, an exemption for the first i think a married couple $12,300 and then you get a standard deduction and a deduction for each kid so you know if you have a family your first anywhere from 20,300 to you know possibly 27 $28,000 would be exempt from state income taxes i think there's some discussion about those no, they're all wearing their little green buttons that say 310k and they are not considered props no and and we can get into the <laughs> difference <laughs> uh, uh, but 
taxes are something that have been talked a lot about this session, tax cuts. Uh, and we've been on veto override watch for a couple weeks now, and technically they have two more weeks to do it. Well, and the, the issue is, of course, that they might have, judging from the vote in the House, they might have 85 votes, but the leader, the Republican leaders want everyone or nearly everyone. That's 84 Republicans plus Marvin Robinson, the Democrat, the, the renegade Democrat from Kansas. I don't know that he sees himself that way, but he's been voting a lot with Republicans and against the governor. So uh, that would make it 85. That's one more than you need for a two-thirds majority. But of course, if two people are gone and they're Republicans. And if you look at uh, roll call votes over the past week and a half, it does look like a few Republicans have been missing. So I don't know if they're sick or if they had other obligations they had to attend to, but for House Republicans to get the veto override done, they really need uh, a guarantee that everybody will be there. And we don't know when they're going to try that. Yeah, that's that's always kind of iffy. And then, of course, if the House overrides, the bill goes back to the Senate for a veto override attempt. And there it's even dicier uh, because looking at the vote, uh, the first time a, a passage, it looked like they were at 26 but not 27, the number they needed for a two-thirds majority uh, Kansas is unlike other places, unlike Congress, where it is an absolute two-thirds majority. Uh, and so if 27 people show up, you still need 27 votes. Um, and so there was a lot of focus on a Democrat from Kansas City, Kansas, David Haley. Uh, he he was talking to reporters and saying he was undecided. There were some discussion about, you know, what had been done or in his thought not done for his district. And, and he had a town hall, uh, not this past Saturday, but the previous Saturday. And uh, there were some, there was some criticism of the Republican proposal. We should note this has got other things in it though. Yeah, there's a, uh the flat income tax, or single rate, as they've preferred to start calling well, it. Now, now they start calling it a dual rate. Because the first rate is zero, although, again, I maintain if you're going to have two rates, they both have to be listed in the statute. And show me where zero yeah. percent is listed in that statute. Zero yeah. percent isn't listed. It's just an exemption on the first amount of money. Right. So that's... that's which, which, if you were going to say that, then but of course, we have four tax brackets now instead of three. Right. Um, and and look, the, the the there's a reason they're doing this. It's because they think the flat tax has been used pretty pejoratively by the the governor, and it's now kind of uh, sunk in. And uh, back ten years ago, they didn't have such a pejorative uh, uh, thought about it in, in terms of the, the how it was described. I mean, this this is a fairly I don't want to say ancient, but it's a pretty long-standing Republican idea about uh, simplifying the tax code. You know, there have been Republican candidates who wanted you to be able to file your federal taxes with a postcard. Um, the issue is, is that 
supporters of a progressive, so-called progressive income tax will tell you it's supposed to offset the regressivity of sales and property taxes and their sales and property tax stuff in this bill. Yeah, so the bill has the uh, flat income tax. It has a increase in the standard deduction it, mm-hmm. or, or at least uh, adjusting it to inflation. Yes. Uh, there's the personal exemption also in, increased by a little bit and in, adjusted to inflation. Uh, there's ending uh, state income tax on Social Security. There's uh, moving up the end of the food sales tax, the grocery food sales the tax. The grocery food sales uh, tax. And yeah. there is increasing the state mill levy exemption. Right. from It's about 42000 44000 now? Uh, so, it, it was indexed for it was inflation. A little bit over forty-two thousand. Yeah, and and this would take it to a hundred thousand. Um, so that that's interesting. Yeah, uh, and not to monopolize all the time on tax cuts because I'm sure we'll have another podcast coming to you as soon as we know what happens with the veto override attempt. Assuming we all don't get too busy or or get colds yes. and stuff. Uh, our apologies for what has it been like three weeks since our last yeah, podcast? Yeah, we, we, we've had yeah, a, a lot has happened since then. Yes, uh, I mean we we miss Kansas Day. Uh, yeah, there goes our chance to sing "Home on the Range." By the time I got downstairs from doing all my work, all the free cake was gone, which yeah, my doctor appreciates, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, here I was trying to figure out if I could use the audio of people singing home on the range in the rotunda without I, I not knowing what the rights to the music yeah the, the, the song itself the song itself is in the public domain but you get into issues about if you've got a special arrangement of it uh that was post public domain and somebody copyrighted that you can get yourself in trouble yeah uh so our apologies but you don't get to listen to Home on the Range now. Yeah, you, you can go find the tweet on X with it. Yes. Uh, or you can listen to the Senate uh, uh, chaplain. What, what's the term? Yeah, chaplain. Uh, who uh, who uh, sang it. Yes. Uh, but also uh, by Kansas State, the governor had wanted a hearing on Medicaid expansion, and she didn't get it. On Kansas Day, and she still hasn't had one, but she has gotten a promise from Representative Brenda Landwehr, a Wichita Republican, who said that she will hold a hearing in the House Health and Human Services Committee, but not until after turnaround. Which is a signal of how uh, how little Republicans plan to move this bill, turnaround being the deadline for bills to get out of House of Origin. I'm trying to remember which committee introduced that bill. Well, it was introduced into appropriations. So, so, so it the, probably, it's exempt the, from the deadline. So they, they still, in theory, could deal with it if they want to. I'm imagining there will be a lot of testimony that talks about, on the other side, uh, that contradicts the governor's narrative on Medicaid expansion. Uh, uh, well, Representative Landwehr c- committed to having a fair hearing. Uh, well, I, I, it'll be difficult if it's squeezed into one hour uh, to get both sides. Well, now if it's if it's health and human services, don't they meet for two? 
So they could, oh, it would still be difficult to squeeze everything you want to know into two hours. But, you know, it's not like they haven't had Medicaid expansion hearings and roundtables and discussions before. I mean, some legislators are going to be new to it, so they, but. I mean, at the very least, I'm sure there are several House Republicans who want this hearing. So that way, when they go to constituents during election season, they can at least say there was a hearing on it. Sure. And they can say, this is what we were told during a hearing. Although, you know, increasingly legislative hearings are kind of becoming more toward congressional hearings where, you know, the purpose isn't really to gather information. It's to, to present me, you know, allow, have people help you present your case for against legislation, I guess. I, I mean, and truthfully with Medicaid expansion, a lot of the information about it is out there. And, you know, a, a little rabbit hole I want to go down just for a little bit, talking about uh, legislative hearings. Uh, back when I was sitting in the Shawnee County District Court uh, in the courtroom of Judge Teresa Watson for the transgender case, uh, the ACLU tried to introduce recordings, the YouTube recordings of legislative committee hearings on SB 180 to help establish legislative intent and the judge rejected it concluding that they are not official records of the Kansas legislature uh, which was an interesting tidbit yeah that is that is pretty interesting they also uh, they also had a wrangle over whether a, a doctor in Northwest Kansas was an expert right yes she's uh, she's treated what more than a hundred trans kids. Yes. And yet she was not considered an expert. Right. So uh, that that's interesting. Uh, those evidentiary standards elude me as a non-lawyer. So Which, if you think that it has been a long time since Children in the State House has been on, it has been even longer since uh, that case was uh, argued in Shawnee County District Court, and we still don't have a decision out of it. Well, and, and really there's, uh, I mean, I mean, if you're wanting to get her preliminary injunction, is that temporary or is it a temporary, I, I never remember. It's still a temporary It's restraining a temporary order. restraining order. Yes, it's the thing before a preliminary injunction. If you're wanting to get that dissolved, uh, which seems frankly unlikely, given that it's the same judge who issued that who's going to issue this one, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're wanting to get a ruling as quickly as you can. If you're Chris Kobach, you, there's no need to hurry because you, you're, the state is not changing driver's licenses or uh, birth certificates either to reflect people's gender identities uh, and won't until at least she rules. And if she upholds, if she issues the preliminary injunction, then that practice will continue while the whole case is while that preliminary injunction gets appealed. And, and uh, to bring us back from the rabbit hole I went down, uh, Medicaid expansion, uh, an issue that has been brought up along with it, has been the IDD waiver. Jack, I know that you've written about that. Can you tell us more about how uh, that's been going down this session? Yeah. Um, so it's seen, well, it's been a point of weakness for Kelly to have this kind of uh, Medicaid uh program that is not working well. So there's about 8,000, I believe, people on the wait list for uh, 
Intellectual Disability Services. Uh, it's a waiver program that and and physical disabilities and, and together. Six thousand on the PD waiver uh, wait list. Um, so people are waiting sometimes over a decade from the time they apply to the time they're actually approved to make it through that wait list. Um, and a lot of those people, I think uh, KU dug into it. About half of those people that eventually are taken off the wait list don't get services. They're either in long-term care or um, just don't need the service anymore, moved out of state for whatever reason. But um, Well, and, and, and one of the things is, is, of course, you know, think about this. If you're, and, and I having talked to some families about this, if your kid with a IDD or PD uh, and you're looking for services and that kid is in, say, fifth grade, uh, that your child will age out of services at school at age 21. And so parents are in this position of having right to plan now for what's going to happen 10 or 11 years from now. And that's, that's very difficult. And this is, you know, this has been a big debate. It's been a debate that's gotten tangled up in Medicaid expansion. Um, the state tried, I think, to put more money into provider payments yeah. on the theory that that would help build up a network and then you could add slots. Well, the waiting list just kept going and I'm, you know, uh, this is how old I am. I remember when people were upset that the waiting list for IDD was, you know, 300. Uh, now it's north of 5,000. So, or was it the last figures I saw? And yeah, so... Now, the, the, there's been a lot of discussion, and the governor came up with a proposal to put extra money in. I think the total is $23 million, all funds, and that would buy, would buy another 250 slots on the PD and another 250 on the IDD waivers, which is, I think, roughly half of what KDADS was arguing for, which is then, at least on the IDD side, half again of what the advocates want they want they would like to get rid of the or at least put enough money into the system uh to get rid of 20 percent of the waiting list in the next fiscal year yeah um yeah i, I think the amount kelly proposed would be about five percent of the yeah the wait list and probably double that on the pd yeah and and you know i have talked to uh, some folks who uh, advocates nationally who say, "Well, your your commitment is you should you should get, have no waiting list." Um, that is uh, a three hundred million dollar plus a year price tag. Now, one could churlishly note that uh, there are tax cuts in that neighborhood a year, um, and you know if you want to if you if you want to bring out your inner uh, socialist, this is the place to to do it because these are the the most vulnerable people, arguably in in society. These are families that are stressed every day, and you know uh, the way the way advocates would put it is that these are people who are not going to not take care of their kids. They're going to take care of their kids. But, you know, that can be a 24-7 job. And, and you know, and, and at the very least, <laughs> any parent will tell you that you need a break. 
uh, from parenting for a day or two or a long weekend. Uh, and in this case, I mean, I've talked to parents who say just finding services, understanding what the rules are, just getting the paperwork done is almost a full-time job. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're not, like, uh, these services out of pocket are pretty insanely expensive. Yeah. Like, uh, the guy I talked to for my story, his day service was, a, I think it was in the neighborhood of, um, was it 40 grand a year, I think? Maybe... Maybe I'm inflating that. Um, I can't remember the exact figure, but yeah, it's you can you can pay you can pay at least several thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Um, and and that and and remember the goal is to have people with disabilities living at home or living in a residence of their own and working and contributing and being independent. Well, and thinking of uh, people with disabilities, John, you and I both wrote about the first new law of 2024. Yes. Uh, the disability tax credit uh, for the sheltered workshops, though they're moving away from being sheltered yeah, workshops. It's, yeah. Um, the interesting thing about that was, of course, it got bundled up into uh, a, a right. big tax bill, that the one that included the health clubs tax uh, and, right. and the uh, donation to abortion, right, into anti-abortion. Counseling, counseling centers, centers uh, pregnancy resource centers, whatever nomenclature you want to use. Um, yeah, and that, that got vetoed. And the tax credit, actually, it's a credit for individuals and businesses against their income tax, what they buy for what they buy goods and services from companies and nonprofits that hire that have disabled workers and the tax credit actually expired at the end of the year but they this bill they passed back dates it so you can claim it for 2023 the issue was there was a big fight over um you know whether they would include the sheltered workshops sub minimum wage states are states and the, are starting to move away from that uh, concept and there is a, what's interesting is in the bill there's a million dollar a year grant program to help sheltered workshops move away from paying sub minimum wage. In the meantime, um, the nonprofit has to set up a separate division that pays more than a minimum wage and you have to buy the stuff from that division, but they can still have the sheltered workshop over here. And so we'll be watching to see how this goes, but it is a step away from sheltered workshops. Uh, uh. Which by the way, there are some advocates who will tell you there's going to be a subset of folks with whose disabilities are profound enough that the sheltered workshop is the right model for them. There's a, there's a big debate and discussion and back and forth in the advocate community about that. Uh, now, uh, I, Jack, I think it was last week when uh, Attorney General Chris Kobach sent out one of many press releases where it, when you told me something like, uh, I, I can't finish a story without getting a new press release. That's right. It was like the first thing Monday, was that the first thing Monday morning you were like... Every time. 
Yes, and, and what was interesting about this, right, was that he sent out a letter to, I think, six school districts in the KAS. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're talking about one of his several press releases last week, but this oh, specific have one. have I got the wrong no, one? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> there so many. This was the one that I was planning to talk about. He's quite active. You know, it's quite a contrast yeah. with his predecessors, actually. Yeah, 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 just clarifying that last week there were several things, Chris Kobach related, that we could talk about, but this specific one that both of you wrote about, uh, was about a transgender-related issue. Well, and and what it was was uh, there is a conservative group out there. I'm I'm blanking on the name. Um, parents defending parents education. education. Okay, parents defending education, and uh, they have gone through and and apparently they read policies for school districts and school boards, and they identified I think six. Uh, where it would be possible, uh, sig- the suggestion was that under these policies, schools might not disclose to parents when their children are using different pronouns and names or presenting as non-binary at school, and yet they're not out at home. And so Chris Kobach sent a letter in December to six school districts and uh, the Kansas Association of School Boards, since it provides legal help, and saying that you, this is a violation of parental rights, and his letter cited any number of U.S. Supreme Court decisions, although not Kansas, not a specific Kansas law, because there really isn't one that deals straight on topic. And um, two of the school districts, Bell Plain and Mays, I think, uh, changed their policies, but the other four have not, apparently. Kansas City, Kansas, Olathe, and Shawnee Mission in Johnson County and Topeka 501, which told me in a statement that they believe what they're doing is uh, completely legal. What the district said they usually do is they try to work with the parents. Um, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the Shawnee, the classic response came from the Shawnee Mission superintendent who, uh, if I were to, uh, uh, if I were to describe the tone uh, basically, she was telling the uh, attorney general, I-, I think you're a loser, go away. Um, but what what she said was, uh, these are all hypotheticals, uh, and it's not helpful for you to dwell in hypotheticals. Uh, you can't cite a single case in our district. Um, and it's disappointing, some of the rhetoric in your letter, which uh, basically asked all of the, first of all, all the letters said that uh, it was the height of arrogance, I think was the way he put it, to not give parents this information. And he also asked them some version of the, the question of, when did you all surrender to the woke gender ideology? Um, and so... Uh, yeah, her her response was was quite uh, bracing um, to that. But it, there there actually was a case in 2022 in Geary County, I think, where a teacher who faced one of these policies and a pronoun policy said it violated her religious beliefs. She sued the school district. The judge actually issued a preliminary injunction in her favor, and one of the things she said, the judge said, and it was a, the injunction was the district could not punish this teacher for refusing to 
for wanting to disclose this information to a parent. That was where the what the judge looked at. And she said the policy was just too broad. If you had a policy that said, we're not going to inform the parent when we have concluded the child is in physical danger, actual danger, not some theoretical danger that we think, that might be acceptable. But this policy of just saying you're not going to inform the parent, that's that violates parental rights, which is a pretty serious thing. And then Geary County, the school district paid, I think, the teacher $95,000 and rescinded its non that. And there are a lot of uh, LGBTQ activists who are really worried that this forced outing, as it's known, could be harmful to some transgender youth who are not out at home. Yeah. And... On other Kobach topics, uh, you can read more about his foreign land ownership bill. Yes, he's uh, into that. Jack has a story on that. I have a story on an RFP that he put out uh, for a secretive investigation. And you can read about staffing levels there. But one more uh, Kobach thing to talk about that is education-related. Uh, the Kansas Supreme Court sided with him in closing the Gannon case. Yes, Luke Luke Gannon. Uh, the case was named for Luke Gannon, who was a student. I can't remember, maybe Wichita. I can't remember which school district he was a student of. The case has gone on so long, uh, he probably has grandkids by now. But um, yes, this was the big 13-year school funding case, and they closed it because the legislature had uh, complied with its seventh order in six years as of 2019. Yeah, what, what year did the case open up? Because I think 2000, it was in 2010. Okay, they filed, yeah. I, if I'm recalling correctly, they may have filed on election day in 2010, the day Sam Brownback was elected governor. And there's a, there, there's a complicated law now, having been sued before the legislature created these hoops that you have to go through, um, you know, you have to tell the state you're going to sue them months ahead of time. And, and all, all of these things meant to s slow down and basically to give the legislature time to react. Um, and it's, I think it spent three years in district court. And then the Supreme Court issued a Memory serves 2013 or 2014. It, it's all a blur. Uh, and, you know, Kansas has been in and out of school funding lawsuits for at least 35 years. And uh, the, the reason why it matters is, at, at least for public school advocates, they are worried that the Supreme Court no longer having authority over this specific case could increase the chances that the legislature might not... It'll backslide. That's the concern. The concern is, is that legislators will start backsliding on their promises. That is something that happened twice before. Uh, usually, those two instances that occurred when the budget got tight because of the economy and revenues were tighter and, you know, they... they in, in some cases, they just didn't come through on the promised increases, but 
it, it's happened twice before, so there's a, a history that makes educators nervous. Uh, House Minority Leader Vic Miller, the Topeka Democrat, predicted it would take about five seconds for Republican lawmakers to go back. And of course, one of the things that really has got legis- uh, educators worried is that conservative Republicans are really pushing for the idea of uh, education savings accounts where state money would go into an account for a parent and they could use it. The the non-voucher voucher program, uh, it's not actually vouchers because you don't get a piece of paper that says, you know, voucher on it or, you know, whatever, but you do get a savings account that state money goes into and then you can use it for a wide wide range of things. There are, there are uh, Iowa did a program, passed a program like that last year. Arizona, I think, did a couple of years ago, and they're struggling. They did it at the same time they started. Uh, they really cut their income taxes, so they have some budget issues in Arizona. You uh, spoke much more calmly about the Supreme Court decision this time than when it came out in a Tuesday afternoon oh, yeah. stomp with no uh, with no uh, warning, yeah. yeah. Or did they warn us? Did they warn they us didn't. they it, didn't? It, we usually get uh, in a, a note ahead of time, like an yeah, I, 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 I was I, I will admit I was a little irritated by that. Um, four fifty one PM, you know not cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you made the decision to just write it the next morning. I wrote it that night. Yeah, I, 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 there was more context to put into it, and and I think, it, and I wanted to talk to some folks about where where this goes from here. Now we'll we'll see we'll see what the state of school funding is at, at the end of the year and how how it goes, where this push for uh, education savings account goes goes how broadly the proposal is and i mean the governor is going to veto it so they're going to need two-thirds to override and again that's a difference you know uh that's a big difference between having laura kelly as governor and uh, what a Derek schmidt governorship would have looked like because he promised to sign that kind of legislation and to uh, bring us back home to the super bowl and K-State winning its Super Bowl uh, a week ago. I, I have I, a I, to I, John. I, Yeah, I was waiting for that. That that's that's deserved. They yeah. they what what is the Sunflower State showdown in the real Kansas sport, which is basketball? Um, no, I uh, I I appreciate that, Jason. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, K-State won. So yes, go Cats. Uh, but Jack, you you had a story on fireworks, and I know last night there were fireworks in Topeka. My my house was shaking for a little bit. Yeah, uh, it, it startled my, me. My, I don't know why it startled me um, because my, I it happened last year as well. You see, the the problem for me is I'm my chihuahua crumbles uh, crumbles would not like to go outside during the fireworks, but I really didn't want to leave the game. To take her out in preparation for it, so I had to uh, hold on to her. Well, and of course, you didn't want to miss the halftime show with with uh, Usher and Alicia Keys. Honestly, and I thought Ludacris. last year's uh, halftime show was better. But bring uh, bring back the left shark and the right shark. <laughs> That's what I want. I want the Sid and Marty Croft special. Uh, so, uh, Jack, our native Missourian, uh, tell us about the uh, fireworks that are that Missouri gets the tax revenue from. Oh yeah. Uh, so Missouri, a freedom-loving state, lets you buy fireworks any and all time. 
Can can I point out the historical irony of calling Missouri a freedom-loving state? Can I just can I just note that I just you know point at history before the Civil War, Missouri was a slave state. Let's let's be clear about that. They were sending border ruffians across into Kansas so that Kansas would be a slave state. Okay, Kansas is the free state. Let's let's be clear about that. Only one state has a free state brewery. That's right. Damn right. But and only one state has John Brown's sword in its state house. Yes, indeed. And if you look, kids, if you look close enough, you can still see the blood on it. <laughs> but in the other state, you can uh, get shot in the face with a Roman candle in April. Um, and you can't do that here. <laughs> so, Woo, I, I missed that, <laughs> that great freedom. Yes. I, I don't I, I need to have the freedom for somebody to land a burning cinder on my roof. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, uh, Kansas um, only allows sales in um, late June, early July. Um, and there's been a bunch of attempts to get either a kind of New Year's uh, edition. I, I'm not sure if it'd be for sales or just for lighting them off. Um, but and, and that's been broadened into year-round sales that counties can opt into. Um, there's been a lot of concerns about local control and um, if it would damage those seasonal retailers, which are oftentimes churches or uh, Little League Baseball. Um, so that's always been a concern, as has been fire risk. Uh, a lot of the state's in a drought. Um, so it just has never seemed to get off the ground. But fireworks are still going to Here, here, here you did, go, folks. The, the, just, the mortar didn't get off the ground. Yes. That, that, that's not a good thing. Yeah, folks, here's here's the deal with fireworks. Just just get a pile of dollar bills and light them because that's what you're doing when you're shooting off fireworks. But they're not as sparkly. I know. I know. I And, and I have watched uh, hyper-local displays of fireworks and even shot a few off in my time. And and so I, I do I – do there's something – that that something that soothes the human soul of things going boom or something. I'm hopeful that our drone show future will be good, but uh, drones don't have the booms. No, 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 no. Well, chilling in the state house, we bring you the booms. Uh, if, if you want to read more about our work, John, where can they find what you have? <laughs> www.apnews.com backslash author backslash John, J-O-H-N hyphen Hannah, H-A-N-N-A. You know, and before we share and I'm stuff, on X too. The, the, the biggest boom story that you had in the past week or so was on the legislative pay raises. Oh, yes. We don't want to forget that, that big that, one. That story got uh, quite the bit of national attention. Yes, and, and there are some voters who uh, uh, think it was <laughs> – they were thinking it was the bomb and not in a good way. Um, no, it's uh, the legislature kind of quietly – maybe not so quietly – let a deadline pass last week that they could have stopped – a 93% pay raise on January 1st of next year. Uh, they will be making, when you include the 
payments they get for expenses in session. They will be making rank and file legislators about $58,000. That's up from about $30,000. Now, to be clear, about 15 of that is the expense payments, you know, for things like lodging and meals and incidental expenses while they're here in Topeka. Um, and the idea was that they were increasing the pay to catch up with inflation, and supporters of this proposal think it could make the legislature more diverse by allowing more people to uh, get into the legislature, you know, people with young families, people of color, more women, uh, fewer, fewer wealthy and retired people. That's, that's the goal. Um, my completely, totally 100% unscientific survey uh, of people uh, I ran into at the coffee shop or my church indicates that it's going over a little bit like a lead balloon at the moment. Now, whether that means people will be angry enough about it to make it a factor in voting, who knows? But yeah, and, I mean, I, I would have to imagine any pay raise oh, for yeah. legislators that's more than you know three percent would also be <laughs> yeah like more than level. ten cents. People get upset. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's look, that's a universal thing it, everywhere. And legislators somewhat insulated themselves from political blowback. They they said instead of voting on a pay raise themselves. They set up a nonpartisan or well bipartisan committee. Bipartisan is more uh, accurate. To look at mostly ex legislators, yes, by the way. Uh, to look at legislative pay here and how it compares elsewhere. Sure. This pay commission put together a plan for the pay raise. Uh, that was what, ninety something percent pay raise? Ninety three percent for rank and, and the way to stop it from taking effect would have been both chambers needed to pass a resolution disapproving of it. And, re and a resolution it, was introduced in the Senate. It stayed in the Ways and Means Committee. There was a move to pull it out. It failed. Yeah. I mean, for, for a resolution to pass, first you need to get to vote on it. And if leadership doesn't bring it up for a vote, you have to do a procedural move to try to bring it out. And then you need more than a su simple majority, less than a super majority. 20, 24 votes. They got 21. It was 21 to three because a bunch of people, I think a dozen people passed. Um, yeah. And there was some grumpiness. Uh, the people who wanted to stop the pay raise, they, you know, their argument was if you're going to do a pay raise, you know, have the basically the argument was have the guts to vote on it that's look that's very hard i mean alaska just went from a little more than 50,000 to 84,000 a year um with a pay commission new jersey is going to do a 67% pay increase starting in 2026 a lot of places uh, having looked at this now a lot of places have some kind of compensation commission that looks at pay. Uh, some states index that that change their pay. Like, um, oh gosh, there was one state. I think it's Florida. Maybe there 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 are states where it adjusts every year. Uh, you know, because it's tied to like inflation or. 
increases in the median household income, stuff like that, to, to kind of keep the, the pay. I mean, Kansas has had this interesting history in that it didn't allow the legislature to do anything with pay until a 1962 constitutional amendment. So it used to be $3 a day up to 150 bucks. But that was when $3 went somewhere. Uh, so the, uh, the structure of it... My, I, and I was not help. there. I want to be clear. <laughs> I was not actually covering the legislature at that time, contrary to rumor. Uh, uh, but the structure of it, we'll, we'll see if it insulates incumbents at all when election season comes up. Uh, but I mean, this, that, is, this is a hard thing because you do hear constantly – uh, or have heard over the years constantly that this is a, you know, it, it's not enough to live on if you're trying to raise a family, this 30000 which includes expenses, and you have extra expenses because you're a legislator. So you can't just quit your day job or your other job and live off this. On the other hand, if you have another job and you try to be a legislator, it can be, it, it, I mean, I don't know how anybody runs a small business and and remains in the legislature. I mean, you must never get much sleep um, just because, just because the, the, I mean, it's like it sucks up all your time. Well, if you want uh, the state legislature and politics to suck up more of your time. Yes, come to, to our us. podcast. Uh, well, you can listen to back episodes. On, yes, and you um, want to, because this is the 96th episode. We're, we're, we're marching toward 100, folks. Yeah. Uh, so, back episodes to listen to, and you can read about Jackson, my work, at cjonline.com. And www.apnews.com backslash author backslash John hyphen Hannah. I think I said that before, and I'm at on X. Is it? Is it's X now, right? It's X. Uh, at APJD Hannah, and you guys are on X, right? We are. I'm at Jason underscore Alatid. And I am Jack Harville. All right. Enjoy your post Super Bowl hangover. Yes, yes, and, uh, yes, and play Taylor Swift songs. Yes. I'm I'm going for a Taylor Swift concert in the Flint Hills again because that's the only venue big enough. My dream concert would be like Taylor Swift, Beyonce, and Dolly Parton on the same stage. Throw in Bruce Springsteen, and I might just die of happiness. Bring them all to the state house to sing "Home on the Range." Yes, yes, let's do that. That that would be, you know, that would be an interesting choir. Uh, you know, uh, even more interesting than the Million Dollar Quartet back in the fifties: Johnny Cash, Elvis, Carl Perkins, and I think Jerry Lee Lewis, if I'm remembering correctly. Come back next time for John listing off more musicians. Yes. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>